0: This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back to our show. Um, I got called out today because of our sports prognostication, and I reminded the listener that we are really bad at that. So if you're using uh, us uh, every time we use really football, bad. If, you, if we picked it, you should probably not bet on it because you're going to lose. Well, I don't actually likely.
1: think that's true. I think we've Ooh. been mediocre.
0: <laughs> is that better? Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> mediocre. Bad is okay. That
1: is, you know, we've, we've gotten some stuff correct.
0: I'll go with mediocre then. That yeah. sounds better. We're mediocre. So we were mediocre on the NBA Finals. Um and as Tony pointed out, it's a MASH unit. They Yeah, I, I, how I, they rege- a I
1: reject that. Okay, so <laughs> there's nobody that believes... Look, first of all, the Toronto Raptors are a better team than many people thought. I've said this before. Kawhi Leonard is probably the best two-way player in the league, but they weren't really But he playing, was injured, too. Uh, I mean, yeah. He I mean, wasn't he, full strength. He, look, nobody at that time of the season was in really full strength. Not Yeah. But they weren't really playing the Warriors. They were, you know... Durant and that was terrible what happened you know he yeah.
0: well, I actually think he was before he came back or after he well, came no. back no, so
1: you know he he obviously has the calf calf injury he's out for I think a month I mean I think he injured he that out in the Blazers series yeah doesn't play against um you know the next series well he
0: injured against Houston didn't play against the Blazers that's what I meant yeah,
1: yeah. injured against Houston doesn't play against the Blazers doesn't play in any games until game five mm-hmm. um Was it game five that he played in? Yes, because they were down 3-1. And then he immediately comes out like a house of fire and then ruptures his Achilles. So that's terrible. And I think he – it annoys me when you start to get this speculation and you start to hear this no matter who it is. Oh, well, you know, there's rumblings that the players think he should be back. Does anyone look KD? <laughs> I'm not really a huge fan of KD in the sense that he's kind of got rabbit ears. He seems yeah. like he's a little bit of a quirky dude. He pays a lot of attention to people. that you remember the whole thing with he was on burner phones? Yeah, um, I
0: know. you
1: know, burn not burner phones, burner accounts. <laughs> yeah, on so the guy for someone who has now won. Uh, two championships with the Warriors, seems mm-hmm. hypersensitive. But nevertheless, to question whether the guy wanted to go back out on the floor, he's he was the best player on their team. He's been phenomenal in the playoffs. The pre- of course he wants to play.
0: But what if he didn't? Uh, just s- speculate here. What do you mean, that? what if he didn't? Well, <clears throat> he's a free agent. Does he save himself and say... No.
1: Why would he sa- Why would he do that? No, this? after
0: the calf injury, not before... Not not the Achilles, but the calf injury. Does he come back and say, no, hey, I don't need to play. No. I've proven myself or no, play. because
1: here's the thing, you know, the whole narrative then that started after he went down because they beat the, you know, they beat the Rockets is, well, they don't need him. Yes. In other words, they're back to playing the beautiful that, yes. flowing game that they played before him. Well, guess what? Yeah. They needed him. So, if he was feeling any of that, you know, what he wanted it would have been the perfect scenario for him. Come back in game 5, they're down 3-1, he leads them back to a historic yeah. seven-game series win on Toronto's floor. So short
0: of short of rupturing his Achilles or injuring himself seriously, coming back could only make him look great.
1: Absolutely. That's the perfect scenario for him because he demonstrates once and for all, not only do they need me, I'm the guy. I am the guy that makes this team win. They can't win this series without me. So you have he, you know, he goes down. He he basically plays, what, 11 minutes in the whole series? Yeah. Uh, You know, he plays the first quarter, ruptures his Achilles, and then Clay Thompson goes down with his hamstring. He misses. He goes down in game three. Misses game four. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. He missed game four. All game four. So. So. Uh, played really well. Came back and played really well in game five. And then he re- and was playing phenomenally well in game six. And then he's he goes back out. So you know they're they were playing against. And look, I don't begrudge the Raptors the championship. There's no asterisk here. Sure. The Warriors benefited the same play. way. The yeah. Rockets had the Warriors. I w- I think the Rockets win the series last year with them if, if Chris Paul, Paul doesn't, doesn't go yep, down. Yep. So the Warriors have benefited. That's not the issue here. That, that's sports. People get hurt. You got to deal this with what it is. If you had asked people at the beginning of the playoffs, do you think Toronto can beat the Warriors without KD and with Clay Thompson hobbled and pretty much missing at least it misses an entire game, I think more people would have said, well, yeah, they might they might have a better shot. Sure.
0: I think it's legitimate. You can't say if Tom Brady goes out before the Super Bowl, does that mean, and you beat them, does that mean it wasn't real? Yeah, it's real. You beat who is in front of you. You can't change that. That's who it is. So
1: is, is Kawhi staying in Toronto? No. I You know, you say that so confidently. Well, I, I said, How does anyone know
0: what that guy is no, thinking? Nobody knows what he's thinking. But he's from California. I, I think you can say, okay, I won a championship. Not the first time I've done that. Second time. Okay, I've won a championship, I'm a good player, I'm recognized as a good player. Well, he's better than a good player. He might be the best
1: player in the league.
0: Okay, arguably, depending on what criteria you want to use, I would agree with that. But he doesn't want to be in Toronto. He didn't want to be in San San Antonio. He wants to be in California. Now, I'm not saying they can't make a pitch for it. How do you know that he wants to be in California? I don't. He's from California. Everybody seems to want to go back to where they're from at some point in their career. He's never played in California as a pro. Yeah.
1: So... I just think this guy I, I think trying to predict what this guy's gonna do is a fool's errand because he constantly defies everyone's expectations. It wouldn't shock me if if he yeah, if he said, I wanna play for the Clippers. It wouldn't shock me if he <laughs> said, I'm re upping with Toronto for three years. It wouldn't shock me if he said I heard this rumor that actually one of the teams he's interested in is the Sixers. Like, okay. Mm, okay. Um I don't think anyone can predict what this guy's gonna do. I agree.
0: I don't know why the Clippers is such a big draw
1: well because the clippers are on the upswing they've got a very good team if he joins the clippers yeah they become the favorite in the west i'm not sold i am still not everyone's now crowning the lakers once oh no no i am not sold with him oh Uh, yeah Kawhi. he's not going to the lakers guaranteed guaranteed okay he does (laughs) not want to play with lebron why would you why would you want to go to the Lakers, which is LeBron's team, mm-hmm. when Kawhi has demonstrated right now, he's the alpha dog. He's, sure. He is better than LeBron right now. Okay. okay. There's multiple guys that are better than LeBron. Okay. So why does Kawhi want to join that traveling circus where he's, he's not going to have top billing? Uh, that, that to me, and you know what? As a competitor, this is the same thing we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. So you're joining this ready-made superstar team, the Triumvirate. Why would you do that? First of all, I think the biggest reason he might stay in Toronto is, okay, you got Giannis in Milwaukee, but, you know, Giannis demonstrated, look, he's a great player, one of the top three players in the league. He isn't there yet. There's things in his game. He's got to survey the landscape here and say, okay, the Celtics, the Kyrie experiment has not worked. You know, they had a very disappointing season and they're... They've, all of Danny Ainge's hoarded wealth, you know, they were supposedly, they may miss out on all of the big free agents. Sure. So you've got. Does a, he go to Boston? No, no, he doesn't. My point is when he looks at the East, he says, wait a minute, we just won the East. There's nobody that's necessarily gotten much stronger. Mm-hmm. Why do I want to go out to the bloodbath that's going to be the West when I'm the best player in the league? I can do, I, why can't I go on a run like LeBron? You couldn't. You I'm could. going to I'm going to two, three, four, five finals. Um, I don't know. I think he might stay in
0: Toronto. I think that's a legitimate option. Um, I don't know that they should have beaten the box. I mean, the Bucks oh, kind I, of collapsed.
1: Well, no, I think they absolutely should have beaten the Bucks because when well, they you watch the don't last, they, they completely have. dominated. They won four games in a row in that series, and they had Giannis completely befuddled. Correct. They were playing this sort of, you know, they make a wall of four guys. And th- what is Giannis missing? He has no mid-range mm-hmm. offense. Mm-hmm. So he's, he is a freakish Athlete. Yes. And when he can get up and down the fort, nobody the can nickname. stop him. He's like Gumby, <laughs> right? But he didn't know what to do. When he couldn't get his way, he couldn't maneuver his way to the basket in the half court, and he doesn't have a pull-up game. I agree. And you know what? In today's NBA, right, That the analytics say those are bad shots. Well, mm-hmm. you know what? In the playoffs— you need that. Kawhi yes. Leonard yes. has that. He has the 12-foot, the 15-foot pull-up, the post-game. Giannis doesn't have that yet. So I'm Agreed. assuming that Giannis is going to spend eight hours a day this summer shooting 1,000 mid-range jump shots. And he should. He should have been doing that all along. Well, look, he has consistently evolved as a player, developed his game, but that's the next thing that it's going to take to put him over the top. His offi- And you know what else? He's not a good free-throw shooter. What I mean, he's, he's a high 60s free throw shooter. Maybe Shaq. I don't. Well, of course, it's better than Shaq, but Shaq's a, you know Shaq doesn't need to shoot
0: 80 percent no, from the no, line. No, he doesn't. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what Kawhi does. Should be a good free agent summer. Uh, see what rolls out there. I I don't know. Um, a little I was surprised Toronto won the whole thing. Totally,
1: given their history,
0: given their history because and their, the addition their history of one player of, of
1: completely flaming out. But it does show you what... This was
0: Kawhi that much different, or was there a lot of other things, other factors that played into that? Well, the, look, they The have, addition of Kawhi to Toronto made them from turds that get in the playoffs no, and flame look, out. They,
1: they were a very good regular season team, and they consistently... They fired a
0: coach last year who was coach of the... reigning coach of the year, because right. they missed... Well, first of all, LeBron
1: was in their heads. So LeBron dominated them, but... For whatever reason, DeMar DeRozan, who's a very good player, and he had a great year for San Antonio, he just couldn't really produce the same way in the playoffs. Maybe it's the nature of his game. And, you know, Kyle Lowry, up until this postseason, uh, was very, very inconsistent. He was notorious for having game one just abysmal. If you look at his stats, Lowry played really well. Siakam came into his own as as a very versatile swing player. And the one thing they had... They're a very good defensive team. When they got Kawhi, okay, he solidified, they had a great defensive core. One guy who is that good in the NBA can
0: mm-hmm. make a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. And
1: particularly because he's not a one-dimensional guy. Mm-hmm. He he bolstered their defense and made it elite, and then he gave them what they had been missing. The one thing they didn't have, they needed a guy in crunch time who could get a shot in the fourth quarter wherever he needed to go on the floor and score, DeRozan couldn't give that to them. Kyle Lowry couldn't give that to them. And so that's why they always faded and collapsed because teams knew exactly how to defend them in the postseason. You can't do that when Kawhi's on the floor because now you've got a guy, you've got a double team, you've got to account for him, and that makes it easier for everybody else. So I do think he's 90% of the reason they were that much better.
0: I I think also that LeBron wasn't in the East.
1: I think they, well... I I don't think it's all of it, but I think that's some of it. Well, sure, but you know what? here It changes the culture. Sure. When you have Kawhi, you go out to battle knowing, even this year, if LeBron's in the East, Toronto knows Kawhi is better than LeBron right now. Okay. He is a better all-around player. He doesn't have the same star power. Right. And LeBron, you know, arguably... You know, maybe more versatile, but in ter- look, LeBron has dropped off significantly with his defensive play in the last couple of years. He, he just he, has.
0: Does he play defense? Well, exactly.
1: Anymore? He really doesn't. They, they, you know, they. We're called out on that. I'm sure. No, no, no. That's absolutely <laughs> true. Nobody can deny that. If you look at the film, he never guards the other team's best perimeter players. They hide him. He even off the ball defense. He's been he's been lax. He's conserving energy. That's sure. fine. Sure. Kawhi is a much better, much better defensive player. And right now, Kawhi is basically as good of an offensive player, save for the passing. LeBron's a better distributor. Kawhi looks over at LeBron and says, why can't we beat you? I'm not intimidated by you. Remember, Kawhi was the MVP of the finals when the Spurs destroyed Cleveland.
0: Yeah.
1: He was the best player in that series. He's not scared of LeBron. No.
0: And he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. So... There, I hope we've redeemed ourselves with our yeah, so call um, on sports.
1: Our mediocrity has been <laughs> acknowledged, but I, I am not accepting uh, that label for the finals because if yes. the Warriors are at full strength, the Warriors win that series. Although I think it would be a much closer series than people expected going in. I think that I think it's still a six-to-seven game series, even with KD. Cause and Toronto's I think we good. picked six
0: uh, for Golden State, yeah. but that didn't happen. So let's move on to why we came tonight. Why did we come? We came tonight because apparently, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna rely on your legal mind here because there's some stuff about. I, and I literally know I have no idea what we're gonna talk. And about. And that's okay. You're gonna figure it out pretty quick. Um, I got a little clip, and I've only got one clip tonight, and it it's from a Supreme Court justice, and I, I want to let this Supreme Court justice speak for themselves. Is it notorious? RBG? No, it's not notorious. Rbg. <laughs> She's my favorite. It's not her.
2: Part of the court's strength and and part of the court's legitimacy depends on people not seeing the court in the way that people see uh, the rest of the governing structures of this country now. In other words, people thinking of the court as not politically divided in the same way, as not an extension of politics, but instead uh, somehow above the fray, uh, even if not always and in every case. And it's an incredibly important thing for the court to guard, is, is, is this reputation of, um, of being fair, of being impartial, of being neutral, and of about. not being simply an extension of the terribly polarized political process and environment that we live in. And, uh, and you know, th- th- this is a challenge. I think it's been an extremely important thing for the court that in the last really 30 years, this starting with Justice O'Connor and, um, and continuing with Justice Kennedy, there has been a person who, people, <laughs> who found the center or people couldn't predict what is that? What is in that, exactly that sort later? of way. And that's enabled the court to look as though it was not owned by you one side or another and, uh, and was indeed Uh, impartial and neutral
0: Mm. and
2: fair and not me. It's It's not so clear. Are we almost done? Uh, you know,
0: we're done. That was Elena Kagan. Yes. Uh, I, I, that was where, where where has she been? Has she been in cryo sleep? (laughs) (laughs) I, I really appreciate that. She thinks there should be one swing person, not her, of course, but there should be one swing person who could look like they may not vote with a block, except they almost always voted with her block. So what's the difference? I don't understand. Well,
1: and, and again, I mean, th- her comment about, you know, it's very important to guard the horse out of the barn, Elena, <laughs> long time ago.
0: Lo- yeah, you're, you're worried about guarding ago. the
1: reputation that you don't appear political and oh, It's way too late for that. <laughs> too bad for you. Um, and the other fascinating co- thing about that is.
0: Well, there's a reason I brought that up. But go you ahead.
1: notice that she doesn't talk at all about, well, what is their. What is their judicial philosophy? In other ah, words, yes. we just need somebody to be in the center. Yes. What does that mean? Well, then we I can mean, look like well, we're not in, So you're look, in the center, partial. but what if you're wrong? Like what if you're – so you're, you're going to – you're going to be results-oriented. We need you to be the center person even if you can't explain the analysis that you've undertaken to get there. Well, it doesn't matter. We just need someone in the center. And again, sure. you can point it out, it's not going to be her. <laughs> no. We just need that person <laughs> – yes. Because we have our voting block, Yes. And uh, look, I will – I don't know how many times I have to say this. If you actually take a look at the voting patterns of the Kagan, Sotomayor, Breyer, Ginsburg axis, Mm -hmm. their philosophy is not neutral. It is not even constitutional. It's never been neutral. They have – policy goals Mm -hmm. that they believe need to be enacted and they work backwards from those to achieve them well that's
0: why she said we need to be look
1: look, i don't have a problem with anyone who says i think originalism as espoused and there's different variations on this but it's essentially by alito and certainly by thomas Mm -hmm. okay um by all of the "quote unquote" conservative judges, jo- I disagree with that philosophy. Okay, and there's a whole we can get into the weeds on the academics and the con- you know the constitutional debates about whether, whether that's a legitimate way of interpreting the Constitution. But what you can't deny—well, of course you can deny—because the media lies about this all the time—is <laughs> that they have a coherent philosophy that mm-hmm. they apply. And this is what I said about Scalia all the time. He kept getting cast by the media as this activist. And yet, if you actually read his opinions and his dissents, he's the furthest thing because the major bone of contention for him was the court has no business ruling on these issues because they are not addressed in the underlying document, whether the Constitution or the statute or the regulation. And we have no authority to take it upon ourselves as nine unelected people to decide this and deprive the people of the 50 states and the democratic process of that result. Now, you can disagree all you want with Justice Scalia. You can't stand his philosophy, but you can't say that he's a results-oriented jurist. On the other hand, I don't think there's any way to contend. If you read through, just think of some of the most iconic, what is the most iconic Supreme Court opinion? The one that the left will, will die on every hill to defend. What is that? Scott. yeah
0: exactly, so roe <laughs> v
1: Wade okay,
0: don't get ahead of us, so this comes up because- that's that's from October of 2018 at Princeton when she was talking, but she was in making comments yesterday about precedent being overturned yesterday by the court or two days ago, maybe, and thomas Judge thomas wrote the um the uh, majority opinion, and it, it was basically about government oversight and crossing land and things like that, it overturned about 100 years of precedent. Her concern was precedent now long, no longer matters. Now, the reason we, I bring this up is because we always hear it's settled as far as the liberals are concerned as soon as they get what they want. Yes. It's settled. You can't change it. It's settled. And they keep overly, overly trying to push something else until they get right. what they want. That's o- what you're talking O-Bergefell about. Obergefell
1: is settled. Yes. Citizens United, not
0: settled. Not settled. Right? Correct.
1: Teller not settled. OK, any any again, because why is it not settled? Yes, because they don't care about the jurisprudence. No. They simply care about the outcome. We don't like that outcome. So it's not settled. And look, the court, you know, stare decisis, that's that is essentially the courts uh, recognizing and being um, not necessarily beholden to precedent, but you have respect for prior precedent. And that was
0: more uh, Scalia than Thomas, correct?
1: I think so. Okay. Although Scalia was no slave to *Stare Decisis* either, okay. but there is some institutional, you know, it's an unwillingness to just con- this, this convulsing court where she casts that as well. Any time that that happens, that obviously must be political. And and the court here, here's the other point. And I think Roberts gets too caught up in this. Ultimately, you know, Roberts is the chief justice. I think one of the reasons that a lot of people speculated about this, one of the reasons that Roberts, you know, he found a way to salvage Obamacare, Mm -hmm. right, which was very unexpected. There are a lot of people disappointed um, because I think that Roberts does view part of his role as protecting the court as an institution and not allowing it to be perceived, as Kagan was talking about, as just this tool of partisan interests. But in my view, that's really not his job. Mm -hmm. Okay. The media and the talking heads and the commentariat are going to say whatever they're going to say. And the perception is going to be what it's going to be. You know how you avoid the perception of partisanship? You actually have a coherent and consistent and principled judicial philosophy. And no matter what the parties are, what the identity of the groups before, it doesn't matter if it's a corporation, evil, and an individual, you apply those precepts consistently over and over, no matter what case is before you. And if you continue to do that, guess what? There's going to be results that are going to be displeasing to the right and displeasing to the left. But you can at least then look back and say, no one can accuse me of selectively putting my thumb on the scale so that certain groups achieve victories or defeats based on my political philosophy. This is exactly what the left does. This is what Ginsburg and her crew do all the time. Mm -hmm. So if her concern is we don't want to appear partisan, appear partisan. Just stop being partisan in how you evaluate cases. And I know someone could say, Oh, Tony, you know, you obviously support originalism, and so you you have your blinders on, and the same accusations can be hurled at the the justices that you admire. Fair enough. But I again I have yet to hear anyone in the media, my favorite Jeffrey Tubin, okay. but even the people from the New York Not Times, favorite, they folks. don't even write about this in a way that actually explores what were the facts, mm-hmm. what is the analysis, <clears throat> does the result make sense? No, no. It's simply, who won? Oh, Exxon won. And who lost? Oh, gra- the, the the Native American burial ground. It must be wrong, and mm-hmm. it must
0: be partisan. You can't evaluate decisions like that. But that's all the media does. Do you feel that originalism is somehow biased? I don't know that I believe that. I believe the originalism is the original intent. The criticism,
1: and it's going to be too boring to get into this, but the criticism of originalism is that as a methodology for interpreting uh, statutes or the constitution, it's too limited. It's too rigid. It doesn't allow for the evolution. You know, they always say, oh, well, the framers couldn't have couldn't uh-huh. have thought about the Internet. And there's, there's, there's arguments. I don't want to get into this. Yeah. So it's not that it's... There are legitimate – even though I disagree with them – legitimate critiques of originalism as a methodology, as a way of analytically deciding cases and interpreting the Constitution, the statutes, the regulations. Okay? Um, but ultimately I would I – would, I will wait uh, until essentially the rapture for someone in the media <laughs> to actually take a look at a decision that they don't favor. Mm -hmm. and explain it in a way that has nothing to do with the identity of the parties or the outcome that they wanted, and Mm -hmm. actually look at what were the facts before the court. Even better, what is the applicable law? What is the standard of review? Some of these cases where they say, oh, they ruled it, the the question is so narrowly focused on all of these complex statutes. All they care about is how do we frame this in a way for our narrative, which Mm -hmm. is – Evil corporatists defeat all that is good and right. And (laughs) that's just an asinine way to evaluate (laughs) judicial decision-making.
0: I agree. So precedent comes up because Kagan's setting the groundwork for Roe v.ersus Wade. Her anticipation of the Alabama law, the Georgia law, the Missouri law possibly getting to the court, whether or not they take up that cert is up to the court at that point. Four judges have to approve that. She's trying to set the groundwork, can't change precedent, can't change precedent, can't change precedent. Now, last time we talked, we said so we We delve into abortion a little bit. Uh, the Roe versus Wade in 1973, correct me if I'm wrong on this. What part of the Constitution was it based on? <laughs> None. Zero. That's the correct it's, part. It's one
1: of the, wor- it's one of the worst. <laughs> it's made-up law. Made up law. You, it's it's made-up out of thin air. You can love that decision for what it did in, in terms of an outcome, although I would argue that the decision actually – and this is exactly what Scalia would say is – when you improperly take a decision that belongs to the American people and was being decided – in each of the different states mm-hmm. and they were going in different directions. I forget exactly twenty seven, I believe mean, it was twenty-seven states that had banned it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the remaining states it was still legal When you have no justification, but you're simply searching for an outcome, and then you you use these just absurd, you know, the penumbras and the emanations, and we're looking to the, you know, the guidance and wisdom of the Delphic Oracle and foreign constitutions and whatever else, (laughs) it's not judicial analysis. It's a horrendously bad decision. In fact, most honest liberal. Commentators who study this admit, yeah, it's terrible. It's just an embarrassment. But you know what? We like, we like the outcome. Yeah, and now it's been on the books for four decades, or how five decades? How long?
0: Almost five decades.
1: Right, almost five decades. So we just grade. can't change it. Um, and look, there there are arguments to be had. Here's the thing: I don't think this court, I don't think Roberts has any stomach for overruling Roe v. Wade, and I don't think right now Kavanaugh does either. I agree. So I think you have probably three. I don't think you'll judge- get
0: a cert. I, I don't. I don't think you get four judges to hear it.
1: I think you have three justices um, that would be willing to mm-hmm. to get rid of it, but I don't think Chief Justice or Kavanaugh right now. And you know, it's interesting because Kavanaugh. There's a lot of people that are studying him in terms of what are the tea leaves and what, which direction is it going, and he's he's been playing it close to the vest. And there's been some decisions recently where conservatives were disappointed mm-hmm. uh, where he came down. Look, I don't know whether this is he was. You can't get inside the guy's head. No. Um, is he going to be as again conservative is just not is not a is not a precise way to look at it, but that's the the rubric. Right. Is he going to be as originalist no. as someone like Scalia or Thomas? No, I don't. I don't I, think. So. I think he's Kennedy. Is, uh, not completely.
0: I, I think it's too soon to say he's Kennedy. But he, he clerked for Kennedy. Kennedy felt he was a good nomination. I believe they're they're closer in judicial philosophy than he would be with anyone. But again, it depends
1: in what area. Because one of the things now look doesn't mean that he can't evolve. Sure. One of the reasons never evolve conservative. One of the reasons that I thought Kavanaugh would be good on the bench, and I still do, is that in the area of administrative law, in particular, Kavanaugh is much more skeptical of administrative power, and I think that's one of the most important. Uh, things, issues that's confronting the country right now, which is we don't actually have a legislature that is passing laws that are governing us. We have this unaccountable, sprawling administrative state that is just issuing regulations. You know, these czars and yeah. Kathleen Sibelius and all these, other, all these other people and you know, whatever pops into Elizabeth Warren's brain, we're going to have this next commission, <laughs> the ministry of whatever. And so Kavanaugh in his decisions at the lower appellate courts – was very dubious and and willing to challenge as extra-constitutional this idea that you can have this unaccountable bureaucracy. They're not accountable to the electorate. They're not accountable to Congress Mm -hmm. running around exercising ever-broader administrative power. So I think he is going to be much stronger in that area than Kennedy would be. But you're right on the big culture war stuff. Who knows? I I don't know what he's going to do.
0: We'll see. So we wanted to talk a little about abortion. And we can talk about it from a Christian perspective. We can talk about it from a secular perspective. I don't know that it changes a whole lot for me one way or the other on that. But the reality is all I hear about is if you strike down abortion, abortion will no longer be legal in the country, which is wrong. We know that because it's – California is not going to – Limit abortion, it's certainly not going to get rid of abortion if Roe v. Wade is struck down tomorrow. It's, you could still get abortion in California on demand probably in any way you want. Uh, suddenly New York would be the same, probably Virginia right now. <clears throat> there would be a number of states. There would be a number of states. So the reality is when I hear that, I, I laugh because it's not true, but it's fear-mongering. But I always hear it's about women's health and the choices for women's health. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. If you don't have sex, you can't have a baby, right? Is that right? Am I wrong? Um, I don't have to go back to my my human biology. Outside of uh, in vitro or anything like that. The normal situation, if you don't have sex, you can't have a baby. Correct?
1: I believe that's correct.
0: Okay. So if you don't want to get pregnant, there's one solution that works. Don't have sex. I mean, it's pretty simple. So if well, you want okay. to have so sex...
1: I'm going to push back. I'm going to okay. be, I'm gonna be the, uh, the Planned Parenthood spokesperson saying, Go right ahead." you are an unrealistic Puritan. There is, the reality is that you are not going to... Te- people are not going to abstain from having sex. Okay. And we have all of our studies, although these studies are actually bogus, but nevertheless, <laughs> we have all these studies that say abstinence-only education doesn't work. We have kids... We have single moms that are going to be sexually active. And mm-hmm. so for you to sit there in your starch collar and your wig telling everyone <laughs> that all you have wig. to do, all you <laughs> have to do is not have sex. You're not living in this universe. And so what we need to do is react to reality on the ground, which is that people are going to have unprotected sex. And that's why. Ah, this ah, is there important. you
0: go. There you go. So from a secular standpoint, not having sex is the number one way to never get pregnant. Don't have sex. Won't get pregnant. Number 2. If you choose to have sex, you there are methods to keep yourself from having a child, I'm not 100% effective, recognize right. that. I'm not Catholic, so I'm not I'm not under the pope's guidance where you you can't use contraception. You can use contraception in in my world. So you have an option to do that. But when you walk into a situation like that, you should be expected to act like an adult, and I know it's not adults only doing this, but you you were the consequences are what the consequences are of your actions. Every action has a consequence. Sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative. But if you choose to engage, then you have to accept that there's a possibility you could uh, produce a child. And once that happens and you kill that child, that's murder. I don't care where, when it occurs, whether it occurs well, it's a okay, week so after. so I'm going to
1: keep uh, the Planned Parenthood view is that, well, first of all, it's not a child. It's uterine contents. It's a clump of cells. So stop with your... Uh, shambolic, religious, uh, <laughs> we're not, we're not bound by your dogma. And the baby, it's not a baby. I'm uh, sorry, I shouldn't have said baby. Uh, the, the, the fetal, the fetal um, entity, uh-huh. it's still inside the woman's body. And as long as it's still inside the woman's body, bound by that geography. The woman has entirely the right to decide what's going on. And certainly you, as a white male Bring patriarch, it. Bring it. you can't <laughs> possibly have anything to say about that woman's
0: choice. But see, it wasn't her choice. We go back to point one. It took two people. So I had a choice in it. She had a choice in it. Now that, now that she's has with child, in most states, with the exception of New York, as I understand it, if you kill a pregnant woman, you're charged with two counts of murder. So how can that be a child in the eyes of law for murder, but not a child in the eyes of killing the yeah, baby well, that, for abortion? That's always
1: one of those interesting questions that they then say, shut up. <laughs> uh, because that the criminal law is a is a big problem for them in terms of this uh, this kind of, you know, this alternate universe that they want to create with using magical language to hide what's going on. And that's always one of the problems is uh, and look, there have been activists who, who have tried to get those laws off the books. And New York has they, done it. Because they realize yes. uh, this undercuts the sacrament. We can't allow this. This makes people think that it's a baby, <laughs> that it has rights, that it's an individual human being.
0: Correct. We can't have that.
1: Correct. Um, well, look, I think I, I've said this before, that the Democratic Party has never been, has never been more extreme than it is right now. Uh, on abortion and they've been trending in this direction for a long time. And in fact, even though the media will never report this, because you know how the media loves to label, you know, extremists. There's nobody on the left who's an extremist. It's always an extremist Republican, it's uh-huh. an extremist evangelical Christian, whatever. But when you poll what they of course always cite the generic poll that says, you know, most people are ver- in favor of abortion. Okay. But when you actually ask specific questions about, again, trimesters – thank you, Harry, for inventing, inventing <laughs> this concept – but nevertheless, when you ask people – and this goes, goes for millennials as well – the later it is in the pregnancy, you have majorities and substantial majorities for the third semester who say, we do not think that there should be unrestricted abortion. Mm-hmm. The Democratic Party. So when you want to say generally, what does extreme mean? You're not in the mainstream. You're not within the public consensus. You're out in left field. You're a wacko. The Democratic Party are wackos by their own definition in terms of unrestricted abortion on demand up until, in fact, after the moment of crowning. Mm -hmm. And the reason you say that's ridiculous, this is their position. This is in their platform. Their platform now publicly calls for the repeal of the Hyde Amendment. Mm -hmm. They they will tolerate no restrictions whatsoever. And if you ask them, as Rand Paul did, because they were trying to challenge him, he said, go ask, I forget who it was, go ask so-and-so whether or not you can kill a baby for any reason, you know, in the last month of pregnancy or the last week of pregnancy and get back to me when they answer that question because they never will.
0: No, they can't. So Hyde Amendment for our listeners, Uh, Hyde Amendment basically says you can't take taxpayer dollars, federal dollars to pay for uh, abortions. Okay. Right. So
1: this is generally an issue for Medicaid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Planned Parenthood. You know, it's not supposed to. be Technically, the lie is. Planned Parenthood gets money from the federal government, your taxpayer dollars, right. but none of those dollars are ever used for abortion, they have ever. A,
1: they have a thick and impregnable yep. wall that prevents the money.
0: Yep. It's all in the same front pocket, but they, right. they know which dollars go to which. We
1: will never shift it into our so other pocket. So
0: that's the lie they tell you because that's the lie you choose to believe. But the Hyde Amendment was supposed to keep that from happening. Now, well, Biden has seen... come out. Well, and you've seen Recently. what
1: pathetic Joe Biden. Oh, okay, yeah. because you know Joe Biden has always touted the fact that he he does the classic straddle, which is, and it's not even a straddle because <laughs> it's just craven, where he says, "I as a Catholic am personally opposed, mm-hmm. but I do not think that I can impose." And I, I always want someone to ask him what what is legislation other than imposing? Sure. That's what it exactly is. what your moral views and your public You do that all the time.
0: That's what you're doing. So June Congress.
1: stop with your weak kneed spineless equivocation. Just say, I'm in favor of abortion. Yeah. Now, so what he was forced to do now, because again, you know, <laughs> he is the old white male who's already trying to you know he's running in the wokest primary ever. He also they worked
0: with segregationalists. So and that's so he was
1: asked later. he was asked first by he was caught by some ACLU activists saying hey you know that Hyde amendment you know uh, that's got to go right and, and he basically said yeah we can't have it anymore well that got picked up <laughs> and so then the next day the next day he said no no i still support the Hyde amendment well of course then the backlash from because again you cannot be a a candidate mm-hmm. in the modern democratic party and be pro life Cannot. Mm-hmm. Impossible. Name.
0: Yeah, there's none that I can not. Think of. Oh, you say,
1: oh, Bob Casey, who's... But you know what? Not Bob Casey. Um, Yeah, Bob Casey Jr. Yeah. But he's not even... like he, he touts that because that was his dad's stance. Yeah. You simply cannot. They will not tolerate it. You will be cast into outer darkness. And that's what Joe Biden, 40 years of alleged principles in a day, yeah. cast aside. Yeah. Because... I have to I have to have a chance to win the nomination. Yes, I have so, to get this. So all of my deep-seated Catholic principles gone. Poof! Vanished. Shocking. Doesn't matter. Shocking. Yeah, of course, I, I am stunned.
0: Yes, you should be. You should be. So we talk about morality, and, and we've talked about this before. Human morality changes with the times. Think about that for a second. What somebody says is immoral today, 20 years from now probably be immoral, and 20 years for, before was probably it, Immoral. The reality is when you, when you base your life on the morality of the people around you, that's not morality. That's not godly morality. That's human morality, and it's changeable. So everybody says, well, it's a moral issue, this, that. No, forget that. It's, that's not what this is about. This is about do you believe that a life begins at conception? If you do not, then you feel it's no big deal to get rid of that life because you don't think it's life. You dehumanize it. Well, this is what we did with. But well, here's the more. But here's the more interesting thing. Okay, let, let's set aside because the
1: you know the conception debate and that always devolves into don't try to impose your mystical religious beliefs on me. But here's the thing. That's not mystical. That's the, science. But okay. But that's my point. Is that we don't even have to talk about conception now. The Democratic Party's position is now you have a fully formed baby okay in a third trimester arms legs heartbeat brain i mean there is simply no way and of course these are this is the party of science right empiricism you simply cannot so let's take that because they're now arguing that's not a baby we don't have to talk about conception right we don't have to delve into that debate what about the baby that's a week from being born Is that a baby?
0: How about in Virginia where Northam says
1: it can be out and you can be discussing whether or not you kill it? Absolutely. After birth. We will have the baby will be made, the the baby will be made comfortable, and Dr. Mengele and I will discuss how to dispose of the contents.
0: Got to the German Uh, accent again, folks.
1: Yes, that is exactly, because here's the thing, if you're willing to say that a baby that's crowning Mm -hmm. can still be killed because it's not a human being. Well, now it's just uterine geography. What does it matter that it's now out on a table? Why does it matter, in fact, that it's in the NICU? What if what if the baby is is born premature and is in the NICU? Okay, mm-hmm. can't, remember, needs to be able to survive on its own. That's well, guess no what? baby. Those babies can't survive on their, their own. So according Name to a that, baby definite, that can. you should be able to walk into the NICU and inject poison into that baby. Mm-hmm. Because it's not a human being.
0: Name a baby that can survive on its own. There is no such... It, human babies cannot survive on their own for years years so but here 's the thing if your position a is
2: statement.
0: if it's still inside the woman, it's not
1: a baby. there really is no logical or intellectual stopping point
0: mm-hmm.
1: you You really should if you're going to be intellectually consistent, embrace infanticide because there is absolutely no difference there is no scientific nope. that is entirely a political construct col- that baby. Col- one millisecond later that's outside the womb is exactly the same okay. biologically, physically, as the one that was one second before still in the mother. Yes. So if you can kill it for any reason, you should still be able to kill it when it's when the umbilical cord is being cut or in, even
0: after. a week
1: after you take it home.
0: I don't like it. I want to get it back. give it back. That, that, that's the reality of what we're talking about. Now, I was listening to Ben Shapiro and Ted Cruz talking, and they had an interesting comment. They said, you know— the the hatred of Trump is so visceral at so many levels that he's made the media honest, or at least more honest about in this in this sense.
1: Well, he's re- but, uh, he's revealed them for what they are.
0: Correct. It's not secu- It's not safe. It's not legal. And you know, occasional. It's whenever we feel like it, and that's what we always wanted. And you can't tell us otherwise. He's made them. Put up or shut up. And now they're actually showing you what they mean, not what they said they meant, because they didn't mean any of that stuff. And and the reality, I'm, I look at this and it's not the exact thing. But prior to the Civil War, black people were considered property. Are you not as a woman saying this is my property? I can do what I want with it. It's not a it's not an individual human being. It's what it's my property. I can choose to do what do what I want. If I want to smash it on a rock when it comes out, great. That's what it's, I can and it, do. And
1: it's still my property apparently after
0: birth as well. It's my property until I choose it's not to be my property. That, that's how I look at it. And the whole precedent thing that Elena Kagan can't seem to get over. If we didn't change precedent, there'd still be slavery in this country. But does she understand that? Precedent doesn't mean it's it's rooted in always that's what we're always gonna do. And I I get so sick of Set precedent. Well, it's good. We don't have to change it ever because we like the outcome, so we're good with it. You can't ever, ever do this. And you talked about science. This is a party of supposed science, but doesn't seem to grasp science. You know, oh, they, all, oh, we're they, all the hillbillies no, no, and hits. They,
1: they fully grasp the science. But they don't care. Which is, which is one of the reasons why they will not actually argue on the science, because they realize they lose. The science is incontrovertible. There There is no debate. We know that you're killing a human being now, because remember, we're again we're not we're not going back to conception. What they want is abortion at any point in time in a pregnancy. No one with a straight face can argue that the <clears throat> science demonstrates that that's still not a child. They just can't. So they, that's why we don't hear about that. We hear about women's health care. Well, let me throw something
0: else at you, and you, uh, you might agree with this. What is being suggested with abortions, and, and don't don't mistake this for anything else. This is basically trying to keep the minority populations down. (laughs) <laughs> and well, I'm not being – well, Planned no, Parenthood listen, was started mean, by Margaret Sanger, right. read, who was definitely read, against that. Well, another
1: heroine of the left. Read yes. up on Margaret Sanger. I mean, Mar- Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist. Margaret Sanger viewed African-Americans as essentially undesirable. Yeah. Now, she actually wasn't – her focus wasn't as much on abortion per Eugenics. se. Eugenics. Right. But it's the same idea. Well, and your point, which, again, nobody ever talks about is no. abortions, the vast majority of abortions in this country being performed by Planned Parenthood – they affect African-Americans because they're being performed on African-American women mm-hmm. in inner cities. I mean, mm-hmm. the so the death toll – in other words, if this was Republicans, if you flipped in an alternative universe and and you had some system where Republicans or the right were engaged in the systematic destruction of hundreds of – I think Planned Parenthood last year. I don't know the exact number. It's over 350,000 abortions.
0: About 700,000 a year. Right. So – Rem- and I want you to, want
1: you to think done. about this, because remember remember the hysteria that we have every time there's a mass shooting, mm-hmm. right? Mass shooting. So there's, I forget how many people. And of course, it's tragic and awful. But when you, when you scale this, 350,000, a large percentage of those, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think it's, it's well over 50%. I think mm-hmm. it might even be over 60%, tend to be African American babies. Don't you think the racism and the genocide charges would be flying fast yes. you have engaged in a specific policy to kill mm-hmm. black children in the womb that's what's going on now they're not all no. but any any system that they didn't if it was anyone other than you know their their God right their, that's what they want. This, the outcry would be to the heavens so, over this.
0: So how is this different? So it, it's also a socioeconomic status. Planned Parenthood doesn't cater to rich people. It's it's poor people, whether they're black right. or and, not. And the thing people. is, and
1: but where, and there's two things. And it's also the geography of where their clinics are located. Mm-hmm. So yes, it is, it is a class. There's class issues, There's economic issues. Class but again, the majority, yeah. the majority of their clientele tend to be single African American women.
0: Yes, that, that's look up the numbers. That's it. So I challenge that the Democratic Party has not changed since its founding. It was in favor of slavery. It fought against slavery, It fought against getting rid of slavery. It instituted Jim Crow. And when that didn't work, they, they instituted. Oh, but then Rick, Chad, they oh, well, switched. They, no, they didn't. switched. That's the problem. Switched. The, the they're telling strategy. you yeah, the southern strategy, which didn't exist. They're telling you something that doesn't benefit you. That, that, that's the reality. The Democratic Party is keeping certain populations from flourishing because they're telling you it's good for you. It's not economically viable for right now for you to have a child. It's not okay. You should you should get rid of this. They have not – they've just changed how they're doing it, but they're still keeping certain classes out. Well, here's, here's
1: another thing I want to address because the, the other common argument that I hear – and I hear this even from Christians who – who say, and I, I guess I believe them, they, they're, they oppose abortion, but they don't, think, they don't think that sort of repealing Roe v. Wade, which, by the way, I'm not even necessarily for repealing Roe v. Wade, even though it's, it's an atrocity in terms of a decision. But, uh, you know, that's not the best approach. And then what you inevitably hear is, oh, well, you're only pro-life until the child is born, and then, Ebenezer Scrooge, you've taken all of the programs and the money, and so you have consigned that child to a nasty, brutish, and short existence in mm. the dystopia that is America. Now, look, I hear this all the time. First of all, I think from the first— Christians. You hear this from Christians. Sure. Wow. Sure, because it's like – basically the argument is you can't really be pro-life, and we're not going to talk about that unless you support my social justice um, agenda relating to entitlements and Mm -hmm. benefits. Now, first point about this, those are entirely – we can have a legitimate policy argument about how much should be funded for – care for impoverished kids and SNAP programs and, right, all that stuff. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. That's a legitimate debate. And there's a difference. There's, there's certainly a philosophical divide on, you know, how much the government should be providing cradle-to-grave benefits. Okay, great. That has nothing to do with the first question, which is, is it immoral and an act of evil to kill children in the womb, yes or no. You can't take the position that, well, we can't really understand that moral question until we evaluate your approach to these other policies. (laughs) No, that stands alone. Yes, It is a stark and easy distinction, particularly if you're a Christian. Now, if you want to have a second argument and say, well, Tony, I think you're a hypocrite, because you oppose abortion, but you also are in favor of cutting certain programs or whatever. Yes. That's fine. We can have that discussion. That doesn't change in any way, shape, or form the morality, the immorality. Of what is going on when a baby's life is taken. Mm-hmm. So, to play this game where you're like, well, we have to talk about these things together. No, we there are don't. Separate issues. We sure. can have a policy argument and we're, we can disagree, mm-hmm. and you can say, I think it's terrible, Tony, that you are not following through with your commitment to this child because of the various politicians that you support who want to yank the rug out from them. Um, okay, we can have that discussion and we can get into the numbers and the reasons why mm-hmm. I think that's a fallacious argument. It doesn't what they do is they they simply don't want to have a discussion
0: about what's going on. Yeah, well that's part of the problem. You bring up the the other issues and and I would counter to anybody who says that. Name a name a government program where you gave it more money and it somehow solved the problem. You can't. Medicaid has not eradicated poverty. Right. It, 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 and it never will. Because well, it med- doesn't. Medicaid, it, med Medicaid is one of the worst Medicaid. programs that's
1: ever been devised. Now, and you can say, how can you say that? And I know, look, there, there are listeners guaranteed Medicaid does good things in the sense that it provides benefits to certain families that otherwise wouldn't. Have, and I understand that. Yes. So, from an individual basis, I am not saying that Medicaid does not benefit, I and agree in many ways, it, yes. significantly benefit certain families. My point is, from a macro perspective, mm-hmm. if you look at Medicaid, and there have been numerous studies done. In terms of health outcomes, morbidity and mortality, people that are on Medicaid are actually worse off, again, at a macro level than people who do not have insurance. If you think I'm making that up, look up up the studies. That is absolutely true. Yes. So my argument is not that Medicaid doesn't benefit anybody. It benefits tons of people. Sure. Okay. And, And provides, in many cases you know, help to them that would be incredibly difficult or impossible for them without it. Okay, so those families and those people can say to me, well, you know, Medicaid for me Mm -hmm. has been a lifesaver. And that's great. I don't deny that. But when we evaluate the overall efficacy of a government program, Mm -hmm. it's terrible. Well, you can use anecdotal data all you
0: want, but it doesn't make it.
1: Because Global. on a larger yeah. scale, not only does it do that, in ter- it's, it's, it's the health care isn't good. It drives doctors out of the network because what is it? It's, it's capped. Yeah. It is simply <laughs> driving down central planning <laughs> saying you can only charge X dollars for these services mm-hmm. at a rate arbitrarily set by the government. Well, which, is well, which is way too low. It's way too low. And yeah. so what happens? Doctors either get out. Or they don't want it. They only take limited patients. Mm-hmm. You have limited access to other specialists, mm-hmm. so the quality of care declines. And then the administrative bloat—it's a red tape and uh, cost just disaster. Yeah, it's just exploding in terms of administrative costs. So from an economic standpoint, it's a terrible program, and from an overall health outcomes perspective, it's a terrible program.
0: Well, it just is. Yeah. And you name SNAP that hasn't that hasn't kept people from being on it was welfare and, and other things we, we can talk about all those things none of those have solved the problem they've been designed to solve they've just gotten more costly and people are still at certain levels of of um, socioeconomic status the the reality is giving all that money it's not about a bad thing it's but there has to be a good reason to do it, and there has to be a way to do it to help. And people. I'm not aware of anyone. Helping I'm not aware. Bad.
1: certainly you're not in favor of this. No. Neither am I. I'm not aware of anyone, uh, you know, other than Mr. Burns, perhaps, you know, who's <laughs> sitting sitting in their it mansion, cackling, saying, "We want no safety net. All programs. No, I don't. This yeah. is a this is a Dickens novel. You will scrape for your food, and you know, hunt and gather in the wild. That's not what's going on. What the, there the have been debate two is? The debate is. Everyone agrees there should be a social safety net. Mm -hmm. The question is, how big is the net? How much? And and are we allowed to examine the real world outcomes of these programs year over year as their budgets increase year over year and say, you know what? We have been increasing the funding. Now, only in Washington is a cut defined as a smaller increase than last year. Or that that's a cut, asked for, yes. right? Well, wait a minute. We didn't actually cut it. You just go, that's a cut. <laughs> your your increase was only 18%. The prior increase was 30 That's a cut. A draconian cut. Are we allowed to examine these programs and we say, should be. you know what? It's We've been working. doing this for 10, 20, 40 years.
0: Yeah.
1: The outcomes are not good. Maybe the money isn't the solution. Maybe, maybe we should try something else.
0: Correctly. To, to me, there's two major things that have led to where we are right now, socioeconomically as well as morally. Again, Christian morally, not secular morally. And that is no-fault divorce and abortion. Those two things have destroyed families. And without the family, you don't have the support. You have more instances of poverty in a single-parent family, male or female. Single-parent families are more prone to poverty, living paycheck to paycheck without any safety net of their own. Two-income two or two-parent two families. It doesn't have to be two-income. Two-parent families tend to be much sure. better off socioeconomically as but you're well. Not,
1: as, and again, you're not allowed to say those things either I because you can't <laughs> – right, but that's the point. So you have all of these shibboleths, right, These you know this this doctrine where you can't promote mm-hmm. – you can't possibly promote a two-parent family Heaven because forget. that's offensive mm. to single-parent single families. And you can't promote – A mother and a father providing very specific and needed things in the life of children because that's offensive to a whole quartet, a whole, (laughs) you know, an entire cornucopia of different arrangements. And I I never get this because this is, again, we go back to science. The studies on this are unequivocal. Mm -hmm. You, you, You simply can't challenge the fact that that is that is the better arrangement. That's not to say, look. People find themselves in all sorts of situations. I'm not at all demeaning. In fact, I have great admiration for single moms. There are all manner of different families that can function. But the point is is that the the data acquired over many, many years of history and many societies is the best way to raise kids is in a two-parent home, married Husband and wife, yeah, and ironically, huh? That seems to be the Christian model for how things work.
0: Yeah. Now I know that doesn't mean there's no problems. Uh, that doesn't mean there's no And issues. Of course,
1: and immediately you'll hear and look at the divorce. Absolutely, you know what? Because no fault Christians, divorce. That's part of Christians, the problem. Christians just like every other group are sinful, mm-hmm. and th- there it is a disaster. Marriage right now within the Christian church is, it's is in to, decline. Yeah, it's, similar it's, to it's a terrible I'm thing, and way. it's and it is. It is legitimate for people from the outside to look at that and say, what is different about your life? Look at your marriage. Mm-hmm. Who are you? And the, here's the thing, though. The only thing that you can say is, you're right. I failed. Mm-hmm. I failed in my marriage. Let's say you had a divorce. It doesn't change the fact that if you do it the way God has intended, it's going to work. Yeah. I am a sinful person. <laughs> I made many choices that may have destroyed my marriage. It's sort of this hypocrisy argument that you can point to me and say I'm not living life the way I should. It's totally legitimate. It doesn't actually say anything about the way that is prescribed to live is inadequate because mm-hmm. it's not. Mm-hmm. That's not an argument about is marriage a good thing. That's simply an argument about Tony. We'll use me an example. Yeah, my marriage is good, thankfully, but. Uh, tony failed and therefore that's an argument that demonstrates that heterosexual marriage doesn't work no it's not <laughs> that, that that doesn't follow at all no it follows that i i did it poorly because yeah. i'm a flawed and sinful person yeah but
0: there's no causality from that that number but
1: that's what the culture but sure, sure look the the message is going to be We do not respect Christians, and we want to hear nothing about what the evangelical church or the Christian church has to say about the institution of marriage, because if we look at your trend lines, they're basically mimicking the outside culture, and that is a legitimate and very serious challenge for the church. And if you expect people to take a look at your life and say, you want to have some sort of effective witness, if they look at your life and say, your life ain't any different than my life, Mm. well— that's going to undermine your ability to convince them that what you have is somehow something that they need.
0: And isn't that also part of the decline of the church? Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, it's of the world instead of just living in the world because you have to. It's being part of the world and, and mimicking what you see around you.
1: Well, one thing that we've said, and, and I've said this before, is that I'm not somebody who believes that, first of all, that Christians have to vote a particular way. Um, there are Christians all across the political The correct spectrum. way. <laughs> no, I mean, Christians can have good faith, deeply held convictions about a lot of different issues, and they're not always going to agree. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I would say is if if someone is a Christian who finds themselves angry and upset about, let's say, Donald Trump's crude tweeting
2: mm-hmm.
1: and... Let's say children who have been separated from their parents at the border, okay, I think we'd all agree that's not desirable that's no, not a good thing no. and it's certainly an incredibly bad thing if it's done intentionally as part of a you know political leverage yeah, that shouldn't thing,
0: happen okay I agree it's bad mm-hmm.
1: but if you're gonna if you're gonna line those things up and say intolerable, outrageous, I'm not sure how you then look to the other side and consider hundreds of thousands of babies Mm -hmm. every year, Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands
0: over 700,000
1: being killed intentionally. And that is just somehow on the scales. That's not as significant of a, of a central moral issue. Mm. I don't, I don't follow that. I I just, I just don't in terms of how do those scales tilt that, Donald Trump's tweeting and the immigration policy evokes more outrage than that. How does that work? I just don't, I don't understand that.
0: You you see protests for fracking. You see protests for oil oil pipelines. You see protests for trees coming down. You see protests for dogs being abused. and again, abused. I'm, limi- I don't agree I'm, limiting this,
1: I'm limiting this to Christians. Okay. Okay, because... You know, the secular world, they, they have different priorities. Sure. And so they're going to protest about a lot of things and they don't really care about what what God has to say about these things. But if again, I'm not saying I you, you is, must you must vote a certain way. My point is simply this yeah. I hear a lot of angst and anger about things that this administration has done, and there are legitimate criticisms. Okay, you can Donald Trump's character, all that stuff. But again, if you're going to line those things up and make moral arguments Mm -hmm. about the illegitimacy of this president, the fact that he is not – he doesn't have the character to be president, and the things that he does on a daily basis, again, his social media, all that, and the border, and that is a disqualifying, outrageous thing that he's doing, and yet you shuffle off to the side because one of the parties in this country, as we've just talked about – One of them has explicitly said, we favor killing babies for any reason up to, and if they're honest, Mm post-birth. How how does that not become an incredibly dispositive moral issue?
0: I I, I don't – I just don't understand. I do, and this is sad, but you watch – you watch the internet, you watch TV – all you hear about is the children separated from their families. You, you hear about Donald Trump and how awful he is. You hear about whatever it is. Have you ever seen an abortion video live? I, I guarantee you haven't because if you had, you'd be repulsed. Of course. So the fact that you haven't seen it, you're you okay to, with They
1: don't even, it. even want you to be able to show, let's say, a, you know, a 15-year-old um, who, who's pregnant an ultrasound. No. Why? Why is that? Why
0: can't you? Yeah, because why do you
1: have to, we now it's real.
0: Now, now it's real. And I think that's what it comes down to. If we don't see the bad stuff, it can be glossed over. It's fetal tissue. You don't see it happen. I, I would say the same thing with homosexuality. When you see same same sex people kiss, it's it's still weird for me. I don't I don't like to see that. But you don't ever talk about what happens. Other than kissing in a relationship because, you know, in a heterosexual relationship, you know what's going on. You know, you have kids. I have kids. We know what happens. Well, the same things happen in a homosexual relationship. But we don't talk about that because people can't deal with that. So the news doesn't talk about it. They don't ever share that. They don't share the babies being killed. They don't show you the videos. They don't make the woman prior to giving having an abortion. You have to watch what an abortion actually does, because if you had to do that, you might not have the abortion. Now, you might still. I'm not saying that would work on everybody. But, man, i got to believe if you saw an abortion occurring, you saw a video of somebody doing it or saw it live even, you would probably think twice about having that abortion. I almost guarantee it. It's
1: interesting because the conventional political wisdom – and I think this is driven by the media because it is beneficial to their worldview – is typically that – Republicans, uh, conservatives, should just shouldn't get bogged down in abortion. Like, nobody wants to talk about it, right? It's it's this, it's this culture war issue. You need to stick to the, the staples, right? The, I actually – now, and that may have been true from a political standpoint, let's say, 20 years ago when the Democratic Party had not gone completely insane mm-hmm. in terms of, again, unrestricted abortion on demand. Mm-hmm. But I actually think, again, given the polling that we know exists and mm-hmm. it's consistent – I actually think that forcing Democratic candidates to now the media will never do this, but if I'm Donald Trump or I'm someone who's running for Congress, I actually want to make an issue of this mm-hmm. and say, listen and should. listen, I know people are tired of this. This has been, by the way, what caused this acrimonious cultural divide fifty years ago? Yeah, Roe v. Wade. Yeah. But you need to understand that there's a political party in this country. And and we can we can talk about Exceptions, right? Rape and incest. No, no. You need to understand, and I want my opponent to answer this question. Can he or she identify a single example of when it would be improper, immoral for a woman to terminate a pregnancy? Please, the floor is yours. (laughs) Not a single candidate for the Democratic Party can answer that question. They will never, ever answer that question. They can't say... Any, any, you name it. Just give me one example where, in your mind, that would be a bridge too far. That abortion at that time, for that reason, that wouldn't be proper. Can you give us an example? Mr. Can. Biden? I cannot. Ms. Harris? No. Ms. Warren? No. You will get a bunch of nonsensical pabulum about this isn't another example of how they're evil. They won't answer the question. And the reason they won't answer the question is because they realize it, their position is indefensible, even to people who are not Christians and who actually favor the right to choose. But at some point, like, what do you mean? Wait, really? you It's okay at crowning because the mom's emotionally distressed? That seems that doesn't seem right. Yeah. They won't answer it. And I actually think that they are so extreme now on this. They have backed themselves into such a corner and they refuse to answer it. That's a very powerful issue. Mm. Even to people who are outside the Christian church and do not have religious objections to this, they still recoil.
0: Yeah, as they should. As they should. And I think that's the – I think when, and this is a marketing thing, but you say something frequently enough – Even if it's not true, people believe that it's true. And we've had almost 50 years of being told it's okay. This is the right way to do things. This is how it should be done. Now, I think it should never have been at the federal level. I think it should have been at the state level. And you could choose to say, I don't choose to live in this state and pay – my tax dollars pay for something I don't agree with. Or you could stay if you agreed with that. But you should have had an option. It shouldn't have been a federal – it should never have gotten to this point. Oh, well, and here it is. Here we are. Here and we it's are. It's going to continue, and it's not going to get. We're not. We're never going back to that time in history no. because you can't. We can only go forward, and I. I wonder if that's even possible to get to a point where because even if it would get overturned, you would have the crazies. You saw when Donald Trump got elected. That was just elected. That wasn't having done anything. It was just elected. You overturn Roe versus Wade. You don't have enough. Uh, Coloring books and crying rooms to satisfy all that.
1: Brett Kavanaugh, you had the women (laughs) clawing at the doors. Yeah, like they were again. They were starring in The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. So that's that's insane. This is not. I mean, again, these are these are people that are are. I say this literally. I mean, they're they're mentally disturbed. I mean that that kind of behavior. Um, is they need to be treated. I mean, yes. they, they need institutionalization. They need medication. Mm-hmm. There's something. If your reaction to, you know, someone going through the constitutional process of nomination and consent to to be on the Supreme Court, and you are literally in a cloth tearing frenzy, because. I don't think they can articulate why. It's just that this person is an avatar of evil. Yeah, you're you're somebody who is mentally unhinged and yeah. emotionally um you know volatile to the point of needing a straitjacket, essentially. Really. <laughs> I, I mean, you watch it what you are watching when you see that is mental illness. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Yeah. That's not a normal look, it's not normal. Or acting like it's I'm normal. angry, you know, I'm fighting I'm you know, what what's the famous movie? Uh uh Network? Right. Um, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. Right. Yeah. That's the famous line. Yeah. No, no. These are people that are just upset and indignant and even outraged. You know, we oppose this. No, these people are out of their mind. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you have to almost feel sorry for them when you watch that kind of footage. Like, Pretty how much. do they get to this place in their life that essentially a a very routine decision, a process in our democracy has driven them to act as if. You know, literally, the world is is coming to. Well, an end. you
0: saw the lady at at uh, Trump inauguration. Yes, S- just screaming on her knees, screaming for the entire inauguration. What 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 makes you think that's an okay reaction? Well, that's not. a positive reaction to what I'm seeing. What, what did she think was going to happen? Oh, if I scream loud enough, he just won't get inaugurated. Right.
1: Well, for that for that person <laughs> for that person the you know politics and. Uh, who it is that is president is essentially the most important thing in her life in in some ways it's sort of this it, it's kind of a strange kind of idolatry that um you know this these issues what you know, pick one global warming they have become so preeminent that you, it's essentially that's what it is that idol- is the most important thing in your life and if those things do not go as you are desperate for them mm-hmm. to wind up um you you can't you actually can't function
0: no, you can't I can honestly tell you, I was thinking about this the other day. I was on a walk. I was born under Nixon. And in my entire life, I think there may have been four years where I think the president was good. Yeah. That would be Reagan's first term for me. That's it. The rest of them have been average to below average or horrible. We're acting like Trump is somehow – not the norm. He's more boisterous about it, but he's the norm. Whether we like that or not, he's the norm. And I don't like it, but I I've never known anything but this. And and the, most people alive today haven't either. They just think they have. They they just it, it's been couched in nicer ways of dressing, nicer ways of talking, but it's the same thing. Obama wasn't better, he was just more palatable in what he said. Clinton certainly well, wasn't. Huh palatable to certain people. Well, to certain people, yeah. but Trump is he, Trump. There's no question about that. It's the veneer. Yeah. Right? It's the. Am I wrong on that, though? I mean, no, I, I no. think Reagan's first term was probably the highlight of the presidential span that I've been under. Nixon was a dirtbag. I mean, it's basically. Ford was a right, why did, You know,
1: look, there's obviously a lot of people that liked Obama for his policies, but mm. Essentially, what it comes down to is it's sort of manners, manners yeah. and behavior. Like yeah. he acts in a way that I find appealing because yeah. of his creased pants, as David <laughs> Brooks would say, and his <laughs> jutted jaw and his facile Maybe. use of the language. Yeah. And that's what it's about. It's it's his it's his overall appearance. And that's fine. That matters. Right. Cool it point. matters. Cool point. Particularly yeah. the president. But that 's what the reaction to Trump is mostly sure again there's a lot of people if you 're progressive you 're not going to like his policies but but this happens in every presidential sure. election his we've made this point before. if you go item by item in terms of his policies i I challenge you to find something that makes him this historical outlier this is we 've never seen it's not unprecedented he's basically i actually think he wasn 't really a conservative and he isn 't really conservative he 's a populist, but nevertheless. He's well, you say populism,
0: like it's a bad thing. Um, See, I think, from a liberal standpoint, a populist is anybody who doesn't agree with us, and they get, no, they get un- well, elected unfortunately. I mean un-
1: populism, we don't have time to get into this. Populism has a very specific meaning. It does, and but there, it hasn't there meant are, that in a hundred years. There are things about, let's put it this way, populism is not conservatism. Correct. Okay, and so there are things, there are dangers in populism. Yes. Dangers about demagoguery and all this kind of other thing. We can unpack that in another show if you know, people want to go to sleep. But uh, <laughs> there's nothing really unprecedented or outlandish or crazy about the policies that he's been pursuing Mm -hmm. sure we have we have very vehement disagreements about that as we do every time and yet the reaction to him again is that it's hitler it's Mm -hmm. it's it's the new reich it's it's so you look at people like that as they're feverishly typing this at starbucks you know (laughs) and you're thinking what What about your life actually supports any of these claims that nothing that's going on right now? Have your relatives been taken to Gitmo? You've been taken to (laughs) a black site. You know, why are you even allowed to be saying these things? That's what I love about people like Jim Acosta. You know, the press is under assault, Jim. If the press was under assault, we wouldn't see you anymore no, you'd you be would be in jail. you would be as Jake Guevara said, up against the wall yeah. right you would if, be writing a book if what you millions. if what you believe about this administration was true, and you can thank your lucky stars that it's not Jim Acosta, no more on c n n no. he's bye bye Jim no. what happened to jim i don't know we haven't seen him in a while
0: <laughs> well, I, Jim Acosta and other uh, other journalists I think about every time you watch an infomercial, so you watch an infomercial if you 're up late because you can't get to sleep. And you say, it's only nineteen ninety nine. buy this. It's a money-making scheme. Right. Have you ever asked yourself, if it's so easy and so simple that any moron watching late at night can do it, how do they have anybody answering the phones? Because wouldn't they rather spend their money to do this instead of answering phones? That should tell you right there, it's not simple and it's not easy.
1: And you know, it's interesting, talking about the press, um, I read, and I, this is a couple weeks ago, I read an article. I actually think it was in a legitimate news organ, either the Washington Post or the New York Times, um, where, if you remember, because you hear all this hysteria about Donald Trump, you know, the press is the enemy of the people. He's coming for us. The train cars are coming. Um, Makes sense. It never has the, uh, you know, inconveniently for them, this this, this power grab, this Mm -hmm. tyranny, never actually occurs. But if you recall, during the scandal-free Obama administration, (laughs) um, we mentioned this, they actually spied on the AP. Mm. Many dozens of their reporters were surveilled, and their personal and private emails, and their phone calls. And there was an article that said that surveillance was actually even more comprehensive than originally believed. And my only question, Chad, is can you imagine if this president had done something like that, that to the press?
0: That would be bad.
1: The apocalypse would be upon us. They're
0: on the same side, so it's no big deal. Right, but that's
1: the point. (laughs) So these people that are squealing every day about darkness is falling, a chill wind is blowing. (laughs) What did you have to say about the Obama administration literally taking from AP reporters all of their private information? Yeah,
0: nothing. That's okay. Because we're on the same side
1: must have been for noble ends so we don't i'm sure
0: it was to keep trump so that's why
1: you know you just have to laugh at these people like you're you're worried about trump he's not done a single thing and yet you would have been having the vapors your heads would have been exploding cranial shards from sea to shining (laughs) sea if i mean literally it would have been the republic is at an end yeah right we are now living in a police
0: state this is east germany nothing not a peep well, oh, it's Obama. It's a double standard, and the double standard is whatever benefits me is okay, and whatever doesn't benefit me is bad. Then that that, it, that doesn't matter if it, it, it hurts you. It oh, by the way, me.
1: I, I don't know if you saw this. I saw this today. There's now some woman with a book out. Yes, that says, yes. Um, uh, we should probably
0: Trump, end with this quickly. Tr- she claims Trump raped her 20 years ago, and she's coming forward now because of the Me Too movement. Which I think she. If she wasn't trying to sell a book, why wouldn't she have come forward in 2015, 2016, 2017, yeah, that's 2018?
1: A little, listen, I, I don't even know anything about this other than I heard that's the claim. Um, I, I'm sure the media will be trumpeting this for the next you know 100 days.
0: Now, here's why I think it's false. One, because I think you waited 20 years. Really? If this was an okay, issue well, 20 look, years, you know, I, really? 20 plus years? Th- Look, it's...
1: The waiting is problematic in and of itself simply because the longer things go, uh, the, the less reliable evidence. She did.
0: Have. She claims she told a friend at the time. Right. right.
1: That's not all that helpful. Look, and there's there's I've read this. Um, there are many reasons why women, you know, you hear this all the time. There's sure. many reasons why women who have legitimately been subjected to this don't come forward. I, I believe that. All I know right now, if we're going to weigh, the, writing a book. if we're going to weigh the circumstantial evidence. OK, I guess you could say on the one side. You know, Donald Trump, clearly a guy, misogynist, yeah, you know. He's got his history, he's had many accusers, certainly not a man of high moral character when it comes to dealings with women, an adulterer, all that. Yes. I don't think he's ever I, I hear this all the time in the media that he somehow admitted that he raped someone. No. I don't think that's actually I it's I've never actually, heard that. I've never heard that. So we don't know anything about this claim, but no. if you look at it, the things that you have to note are it's very old. Mm-hmm. Um Donald Trump was elected in 2016. You'd think, given the, the media frenzy with other women, that might have been a time to bring it up. The woman is trying to sell a book. That's not a good look, and she is a well-known, avid Hillary Clinton partisan. And so, supporter.
0: yeah, in 2016 gonna, she was. A what I'm going to say
1: right now is, we don't have any facts about this. And and there's no evidence other than she told her friend at the time. That's not that compelling. That's
0: a Cavadon situation Um, there.
1: Let's see where this goes. My instinct is to say you're going to have to come forward with some pretty substantial proof given where this is tilting. Because right now the playing field, uh, I think I would be comfortable saying I'm willing to dismiss this unless and until there's something far more solid Given the lapse of time, given the clear incentive, I'm selling a book. Mm-hmm. C- given her political allegiances, that matters. She has bias. Mm-hmm. Um, and the timing, it's like uh, the party. I, I, I read this on Powerline. Scott Johnson posted something. He's like, this isn't even, you know, the party was too this. It's like after the after party. Like, yeah. why are you... Why wouldn't you have come forward? I get it. You, so you waited for 20 years, but he was elected. He's running as a candidate. There's all these stories about this. You still didn't come forward then?
0: No. So a book thing. I'm
1: not inclined to take this all that seriously. Well, I think
0: there's one other thing. that And this, is, this sounds a little crass. She was 52 at the time. Okay. And I'm not saying that can't happen. Well, Donald Trump has always actually, gone, gone lower age, that, not okay, higher age. That is
1: actually a good point in terms of the women that Donald Trump tends to squire around with him. Yes. Are not, um, not they kind 50s. of fit a certain profile.
0: And 50s so that, isn't it. that
1: doesn't really fit now, with his – I'm not saying it yeah, couldn't have yeah, happened of
0: regardless of the age. But Look, he's always traded in for a younger wife. He hasn't gone for someone his own age or older. So we'll have to see how we'll this see.
1: plays out. I'm not really inclined to take this very seriously at the moment, but I'm sure the media already has the, the hordes do. digging into this. CNN's all over. They're choppering in <laughs> minions by the dozen to, they are. to research this, they and are. I'm sure we'll find out more later.
0: I got nothing else. We had other topics, but we can't get to them tonight. So
1: I didn't even know what they were, so I'm not even disappointed.
0: <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night.
2: Tree Production.